Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Parkinson's Recovery Radio Network. I am your regular host, Robert Rogers. I have been receiving a multitude of calls over the past year from individuals trying to find one website or another that Parkinson's Recovery supports. I founded Parkinson's Recovery in 2004. Since that time, I have mounted and created a number of different websites that perform different functions for individuals by way of support and information and resources. I finally realized that what I really needed to do is to go back to the main website, parkinsonsrecovery.com, and literally take it down and redesign it. That, my friends, is what I've done for my summer vacation, and I am, I must say, delighted and tickled pink to be able to say and report to everyone that, in fact, that website has now been totally and completely simplified. Hooray! Basically, everything is in the form of images, and all of the links to Parkinson's recovery websites is now included on the main page and the other pages on the website. Visit then parkinsonsrecovery.com anytime when you're looking for a link to anything that I do, and you'll find the links there. For example, to the radio show page, many of you I know have already marked it as a favorite, but if you haven't, all you have to really remember is the words Parkinson's and the word recovery. Join those two together at a .com. You're on the main portal website. That, in fact, then will direct you, if you click on any of the pictures, to the website that you're looking for. It's simple. It's easy to understand. I thoroughly enjoy doing that project over the last several months. The second announcement I have before I introduce my guest today, Peter Doyle, acupuncturist from New York City, is to report that one of the guests on my radio show several years ago, Dr. Lori Mishley, was talking and discussing about the possibility of launching an important study on glutathione. Two years later, she has now received approval for that study and, hold on to your seats, is recruiting subjects. Now, she's about through with the recruitment process, but she still needs four more subjects. If you live anywhere near or around Seattle, Washington, this is an opportunity I'd like to suggest that you strongly consider. Glutathione is an important nutrient for brain function, and the loss of it has clearly been implicated in the cases of persons who currently experience the symptoms of Parkinson's disease. Lori Mishley's study seeks to determine whether intranasal administration of glutathione is safe and tolerable in individuals who currently have a diagnosis of Parkinson's disease. When I say intranasal administration, this literally, as she explained it on the radio show, is uh, literally a nasal spray, so you just uh, spray the glutathione up into your nose uh, several times a day rather than taking it through a pill form supplement. 
contact Lori Mishley if you're interested in participating in this in the study to see whether or not you in fact qualify. You must have a diagnosis of Parkinson's within the previous 10 years. To learn more about the study and about the clinical trial and to see if you might be qualified to participate, call Dr. Mishley at the following phone number 425 602 3306. I'd like to report that if you lived on the East Coast, you can participate in the study, but unfortunately, because of the nature of the design, you're going to need to be able to get into Bastyr University in Seattle uh, to be able to participate in the study. So if you live anywhere near, call her and see if you can't sign up for the study. She's looking for four more research subjects to complete the group of individuals who are research volunteers. And now I'm going to turn to a most fascinating interview with an individual who I must report is also most fascinating, Peter Doyle, who is from the Big Apple, from New York, New York. This is your host, Robert Rogers. You are listening to the Parkinson's Recovery Radio Network. My host today is Peter Doyle from no other than New York, New York. Peter, tell us all about yourself. Um, I'm a licensed acupuncturist and Chinese herbalist. I'm board certified in oriental medicine. And I graduated from Tri-State College here in New York City in 1999. I've been practicing acupuncture and Chinese medicine for 13 years here in the Big Apple. I uh, got interested in alternative medicine, Chinese acupuncture and oriental medicine through personal experience. I was uh, in uh, my undergraduate, I would end up getting strep throat pretty much every semester. So it was kind of stress related and this just happened for years and years and years and I used to see a regular doctor and of course he would prescribe antibiotics and tell me to rest and get fluids and so on and so forth and it would help but it never really got rid of it and I got uncomfortable with you know all the antibiotics and you know same old same old every semester and I started asking around this was actually in Hawaii in Honolulu and um, this one name kept popping up this naturopathic physician this name kept popping up in different circles and I thought well if that's not a good you know, signaled to go check this guy out. I don't know what is. And sure enough, you know, that coming semester, you know, I got strep throat, horrible, you know, sore throat and cough and all of it. And I um, sought him out. And this guy did, you know, really serious intake, about three pages of uh, material and lots of education and so on and so forth. And he tells me, okay, lay down on the table. He had a massage table and he says, do you want to do acupuncture? And I said, are you crazy? And I said, no way. And he said, well, there's other things we can do. And um, this was about 25 years ago. And he broke out two tuning forks, C-note tuning forks, and he wrapped them on the table, got a vibration going, and then placed them on my back, a couple of shoe points, um, bladder points that work for the organs, for the lungs. And um, felt very strange to me, but very good at the same time. And um, did some massage, did some digestive, you know, abdominal massage, and then gave me an herbal tincture and he said listen go home and rest and it disappeared I never had strep throat actually up until this last year uh, you know many years later and it amazed me and he and I started a conversation about what he was doing at that point I was interested in medicine I was telling everyone I'm going to go to medical school and that's something I want to be as a trauma surgeon and all that and um, he said uh, well 
you know, there's some other options, and he introduced me to, you know, naturopathic medicine, alternative care, and so I started on this path. I've been doing um, acupuncture here for 13 years, and I see all sorts of different clients. I'm kind of a general practitioner, although I do specialize in uh, central nervous system disorders, Parkinson's, traumatic brain injury, stroke, rehabilitation. I worked for many years in underserved populations, worked in homeless shelters and detoxes and various agencies here in New York community-based organizations where uh, I treat people that generally don't get a lot of care, and uh, it's, a, it's, a great, uh, it's a great feeling to help people that, that are uh, not used to getting help. I, uh, I got into medicine because I saw people around me, family members, myself, you know, folks just running around on the planet that uh, needed help. And um, I was always looking for alternatives and other ways to do what we do here. And, uh, you know, got interested and I've continued this path. It's an ongoing process. And I'm grateful to be in a, a profession and an art that, uh, that continues to challenge me and I grow in, in the process. Many listeners have heard about acupuncture but know little about it. How would you describe acupuncture, its history, development, and uses? Acupuncture is part of a rich tradition that dates thousands of years old. I include within acupuncture, Chinese medicine is kind of the umbrella, and that includes acupuncture, moxibustion, herbs, gua sa, which is a scraping therapy, cupping, tui na, massage, bone-setting uh, jegu, which looks a lot like American orthopedic medicine, um, dietary education, qigong, tai chi, and of course all sorts of different plasters and liniments. Chinese medicine is, is uh, kind of umbrella for a lot of different therapies, many of them folk medicine type things, including the gua sa and the cupping and various things you'll see in, in many cultures, not just in, uh, in China. I, the, I always like to start off with acupuncture and, and Chinese medicine in terms of giving people an overview of, of where it comes from. The, um, the quote I like to use is something from the acupuncture comprehensive text which most acupuncture students have seen and the quote goes like this and it talks about you know how Chinese medicine looks at healing and it says the sense of phenomenon as intertwined patterns has important ramifications. There's an over overwhelming sense of context events or objects that by themselves have no meaning. Meaning is derived from participation in patterns. From this grows the feeling that all things are closely related to each other. And what that basically is saying is that Chinese medicine places the emphasis almost totally on function. And what happens is considered more important than what something has come to look like. And that's opposed to pr traditional kind of Western science and medicine that looks at a linear discarsion fashion where we're used to judging our environment with dissection and analysis until you can find the causal, causal links which explain the system. Um, Western scientists in general try and analyze phenomena by breaking it down into constituents and then they believe they've understood it by looking at the parts. So that, you know, classic sum of the parts is equal to the whole. Uh, the ancient Chinese, like people all over the world going back for tens of thousands of years, were very interested in matters of spirituality as well as matters of the physical universe. And the Taoists were primarily the folks running around trying to figure this out. And they merged their search for truth to include both the physical and spiritual realms. 
and the result was that they had to incorporate both what they saw and what they could touch with what they couldn't touch and what they could only feel. Um, and the Chinese science developed different laws than those in the West. So it wasn't just hard science. They even created a symbol for their unique scientific system to demonstrate the inclusion of both this physical and spiritual natures of the world. And that's the Tai Chi uh, yin yang symbol, which really is duality. Um, they also used, you know, the, the major underpinnings for Chinese medicine, including yin yang, would be the five phases. And some people are familiar with those. That's fire, earth, metal, water, and wood. And these, as I said, these are the underpinnings for how we practice Chinese medicine. Uh, the structure of the cosmos mirrors the five phases. So we're really looking at relationships, not discrete pieces of, you know, data. And each phase has a complete series of associations with different aspects of nature. Um, the five phases are not connected only to Chinese medicine. They're used throughout uh, Chinese um, development, uh, feng shui, astrology. They're used in music and military strategy and the martial arts and so on and so forth. And the main thing that comes down here, and the reason I talk about this, is that when you talk about um, medicine, you're really talking about science to some extent. And whereas in Western science we used yardsticks to measure things, the Chinese realized that these, uh, these measurements, everything was always in a state of change, so therefore they believed that measurements would change. So they couldn't necessarily accept that everything was static and then you could measure it and then you could quantify it and then you could describe it. And so what they did come up with is looking at that there's always change in looking at the pattern. And the pattern is that things rise and they peak and then they decline. And that's the yardstick they used, basically looking at the totality of the system, not discrete points. Um, and that lends itself much better to looking at, you know, a living system rather than, you know, taking individual constituents of that system. It dates back to the Zhao Dynasty, which is 2700 BC, and the writings are about this, some people call it a mythological emperor, the Yellow Emperor. A lot of the materials that were developed during his reign were burned in later reigns by other emperors. One of your specialties is Chinese scalp acupuncture. What is Chinese scalp acupuncture and what is its history? Um, unlike traditional Chinese medicine or classical Chinese medicine, scalp acupuncture is fairly new. It's been around about 50 years. And it's a microsystem. It's employed for acute and chronic central nervous system disorders and as I said, it includes treatments for stroke, traumatic brain injury, Parkinson's, and other movement disorders. Uh, its roots date back nearly 5,000 years using needles and using acupuncture points, but the um, system currently practiced has only been used, used in the last, you know, 50 years. A variety of personalities, both in the United States and China, developed it. Uh, Dr. Zhao Xunfai is a neurosurgeon. Uh, Dr. Shu Shui Min and Dr. Zhu Mingqing and other researchers here and, and China have formed and developed this process. Um, their Western trained doctors in some senses 
along with the Chinese traditional medicine, the, uh, they've synthesized both Western medical practice and acupuncture to build this system into practice. Uh, both the NIH and the World Health Organization support its use in central nervous system disorders. To give you an example of Chinese scalp acupuncture in China, and it is becoming more popular and more available here, um, Tianjin Hospital, which is in northern China, treated, and this is in 2009, 358,000 stroke cases. To give you a comparison here in the United States with a reputable hospital, some of the top hospitals that are, that are cited, the Mayo Clinic treated 4,000 stroke cases during that 2009, and Massachusetts General Hospital treated 1,300 cases. So the, uh, the use of scalp acupuncture for uh, central nervous system disorders is a big thing in China and very accepted and very effective, whereas here we get to compete with uh, you know, Western medical practice. The um, mechanism for scalp acupuncture is it accesses the reflex somatotropic system, so just the body form. It's a microsystem, and the system communicates with the body via the endocrine and nervous system. Uh, qualified scalp acupuncture stimulates these reflex areas through acupuncture needles between the scalp and the cranium, and it's strong stimulations, and they, re they stimulate these reflex areas the cortical areas of the brain governing motor activity, sensory input, vision, speech, hearing and balance are all affected. And while the clinician is actually stimulating these areas, an assistant or the patient will actually move the affected area. So the patient will attempt to utilize the effective area, say if there's some paralysis or some weakness of the arm or of the leg, while the acupuncture is actually stimulating the needle the patient or the acupuncturist assistant will move the areas, and these actions retrain the brain and the body. Tell listeners more. You've got everybody on the edge of their sh uh, seats. Uh, how can Chinese scalp acupuncture be used, and what exactly can people expect when they actually take advantage of this particular modality? Well, most, most patients need multiple treatments and to affect lasting change in treatment. The, um, the advantage to scalp acupuncture is that it can easily be integrated into existing treatments while decreasing rehabilitation time and maximizing the benefits of mainstream therapies. So it's easily integrated in present systems. Uh, generally, two to three treatments for, per week for four to six weeks is a course of treatment. And multiple courses are indicated depending on the individual needs, whether it be chronic care or acute care. And it's not unusual to see definite results immediately, and subsequent gains also depend on the individual. It's important to remember that early intervention is the key. Um, my experience with the acupuncture treatment for Parkinson's is that I had a client come in who uh, had a fair amount of weakness, and we would test objectively and subjectively uh, you know, his function, and then during the treatment actually have him utilize uh, doing rotations, doing movement. And as he was doing this movement, I was stimulating the points. Then when we tested afterwards, he's much stronger. Uh, balance feels more solid to him. He's actually just able to stand on one foot for longer, you know, a whole variety of things. Um, this particular individual had some swallowing issues, had some trouble with 
feeling like he couldn't quite swallow, which is characteristic of some, some patient's symptoms. And that eased up too. Acupuncture, it needs to be looked at in terms of the totality of treatment, whereas often with Western medicine, what's the symptom? We need to address the system. Let's treat that versus with alternative care, Chinese medicine, where you actually have somebody, you know, this particular person had some sleep issues, and that's not particularly what he was coming from, but his sleep got better. His swallowing got better. His outlook in general got better. Um, and so you see the specific complaints uh, decreasing, but then in other areas you see changes too that are beneficial for the patient. To be clear for myself then, if I were to come to New York City, the Big Apple, and get a treatment from you, I would lie down on a table. You would probably then put some acupuncture needles uh, in my head or on my scalp, and then would you leave the room and let me kind of lie there for 30 minutes or 45 minutes, or do you stay there in the room with me? How does it work exactly? We do both depending on the patient. In some cases, you actually sit in a chair and move. In some cases, you lie down and relax, and some of this has to do with the patient and what they're willing to do. I get cases where clients are just like, I can't, I just need to relax today, and we'll lay you down and turn down the lights and turn up a little you know, soft music and, and just let you, uh, you know, kind of go into that place where it's, where it's comfortable. And then sometimes we'll push you some. And um, some of the premier scalp places in the United States and in China, you'll actually have people doing what would look like to most folks physical therapy or orthopedic, uh, you know, exercises while they've got needles in the scalp. And, um, and they'll have somebody coming along and stimulating those points as they're going. Uh, it's uh, it's very interesting. I should say it can be very helpful for patients with Parkinson's disease, whether in earlier or later, later stages, and it can improve mobility, range of motion, muscle tone, balance, gait, and the ability to swallow are some of the specifics that people complain about. Uh, it, uh, it's very interesting in the way it affects people, and it can be plugged into a lot of the existing things they're doing. We'll be right back with acupuncturist Peter Doyle after this short station break. I'm Robert Rogers from Parkinson's Recovery. My guest today is Peter Doyle, acupuncturist from New York, New York. The 2013 Parkinson's Recovery Summit is convening in Santa Fe, New Mexico, February 21st for an evening reception, 22nd, 23rd, and 24th for a morning exposure to Jim Oliver and his incredible healing music. People have already signed up for the summit from all over the globe. We have people from Europe, from Canada, from across the United States, and, of course, from Hawaii who are coming to the summit already. I haven't even listed the presenters who are going to be offering the 18 workshops at the summit, so that tells you something about the excitement over what's going to happen. I have to tell everyone listening today that I am awed and honored by the individuals who are coming to present workshops. It's an amazing group of individuals, and we are going to have an incredible experience, all of us who attend and participate in the summit. The important announcement 
that I need to make to all of you who have already signed up to participate and come to the summit in Santa Fe is be sure to make your reservation at the La Fonda Hotel right now. The hotel will fill up. They don't, they're not actually at full capacity in February. They're closing down some rooms for renovation purposes. So it's very clear that the hotel is going to fill up. We're six months out from the summit. If you've already signed up, be sure to register for a room right now. You don't have to pay any money to hold a reservation. You just have to call the hotel and let them know you're from Parkinson's Recovery, you like the special rate, and you'd like to be able to reserve a room. There are hotels that are within a block or two of the La Fonda, and there are some wonderful hotels because that's right in the historic district. So although the hotel will fill up, there will be many wonderful places to accommodate all who wish to participate in the summit. But since you're listening to this now, and I know many of you have already registered, if you haven't also registered for the hotel, be sure and do that now. And you're kind of thinking, okay, hmm, how do I actually figure out how I can register for the hotel? It's simple. You go to the ParkinsonsRecovery.com website. You'll see a link to the summit. Click on that. And on that website, just scroll down a bit, and you'll see all the links that you need to be able to get contact with a hotel, the phone number, and also the form to fill out to be able to make a reservation. So I'm Robert Rogers. This is Parkinson's Recovery, Parkinson's Recovery provides a wide variety of support and information for individuals who currently experience the symptoms of Parkinson's disease. We're centered in Olympia, Washington. And now back to my guest today, Peter Doyle from New York City. So, Peter, how has your approach to acupuncture changed since you actually graduated from acupuncture school? When I left acupuncture school, I... um it's an interesting process. Uh, I started out with, you know, pretty basic musculoskeletal treatments, pain, and these type of things, help people with neck ache, back ache, shoulder pain, digestive problems, various kind of pretty straightforward uh, medical issues. And I was actually trained in acupuncture school at Tri-State with scalp acupuncture for stroke. In fact, in my internship, there was a, a medical doctor that would come in who had um, spasticity in the calf and, um, you know, his arm, had hemiplasia, basically, and he would come in and get treatment. We would do scalp acupuncture, we would do body acupuncture, and we would do electrostim. And this man, this doctor claimed that he felt much better. When I actually looked at him, I didn't see much change physically in the way he was moving. And so I was, I concluded that, you know, it was helpful to him, but, you know, that it wasn't that dramatic. Um... Since then, what I've seen is issues where you see big, big changes in people in the way they move and their capabilities and their function and the way they feel. And when I started investigating who was initially treating these cases, I was noticing that the way they were doing it was very different from the way I was trained. They were doing very aggressive treatment. They were doing very frequent treatment. They were doing instead of just having somebody lay there and get the acupuncture, they were actually having them move and go through the paces and walk and stomp one foot and, you know, do, do you know, pretty aggressive treatment and quite active, you know, the, the patient was participating quite a bit, working very hard. And 
when I saw this, I realized I needed to go back and look at what particularly was happening if I wanted to achieve these dramatic results. Uh, as I was saying, most acupuncturists can treat pretty basic stuff and effectively treat. But when it comes to more chronic issues that are quite debilitating and, and um, you know, quite disturbing to clients, you want to give them much more. So, you know, I've charged myself with, you know, doing that, with getting better and getting better effects and working with people and, you know, being more committed to their health process along, you know, with, with them doing that too. Why is Chinese scalp acupuncture not accepted into rehabilitation settings in the United States? Well, it slowly is, but what you're seeing is that acupuncture in general is the way it's been explained to Western doctors is not adequate. And when it comes to a Western-trained physician, we need to speak their language. And that's something that is happening slowly. There's less storytelling in Chinese medicine and you got to remember it's been taken out of context out of, I'll give you an example of Chinese medicine and, and the development here. Um, the character for qi, which is actually a pictograph, has been translated in various methods. Often you'll hear that it's translated as energy or vital force. But if you actually look at the pictograph and sinologists um, break down the different radicals and portions of that character, you'll see that it can also be translated as literally a steam off of rice cooking. So a rarefied energy from food might be one way you could look at it. Um, if you talk to a Western doctor about qi or shen or meridians or channels or so on and so forth, and you don't have specific Western data to back that up that's both accessible, believable, and useful to them, they tend to just put a question mark on it. It seems like Oh, most doctors nowadays will recommend acupunctures for certain conditions, but with scalp acupuncture and you know Parkinson's, TBI, these type of cases, traumatic brain injury, they're uh, they're fairly skeptical about its use. Um, I'll give you an example. There's a hospital here in New York that has an acupuncture program in the rehabilitative uh, portion of the hospital. They're considered one of the premier folks here in New York City. And when I spoke to the director of that acupuncture program, they are doing no scalp acupuncture um, in cases that would be absolutely, you know, fantastic candidates for this. And it's going to be a process of educating the doctors to do this. The other thing that governs what's done in mainstream hospitals is what's billable. And acupuncture uh, services in terms of insurance are limited in most states and certainly in most hospitals. So the, the job for us acupuncturists is actually to find hospitals that are open-minded enough and willing enough and then integrate ourselves in a, in a way that's respectful to the current system, but yet to be able to push the system a little bit into integrating you know, alternative therapy and to actually demonstrate efficacy and, and um, you know, results and make that part of the best practice model in terms of, you know, mainstream hospitals and, you know, clinics and rehabilitation areas. Peter Doyle, listeners, I'm sure at this point are thinking, hmm, where can I go to actually receive a Chinese scalp acupuncture treatment? What's the answer? There's, there's actually dozens of places throughout the United States 
that you can receive scalp acupuncture for central nervous system disorders. The key to it is finding qualified practitioners, and they're spread out. There's a, a few of them on the West Coast. There's a few of them in, in the Southwest. Um, I'm here in New York City, here actually in Manhattan, um, and I can be reached. The contact information is listed on the, uh, on the show and on the blog. I'm also going to forward some material specifics, both in terms of research, resources, and specifics that are reputable uh, agencies and practitioners. It sounds like from your experience uh, working with individuals who currently experience the symptoms of Parkinson's that Chinese scalp acupuncture really does help. It's, it's very effective. Um, Current research confirms clinical experience that uh, that reputable practitioners have, indicating its effectiveness. And they include, you know, increased motor function, decreased tremor, um, maximization of sensory utilization, reduce reduced spasticity, reduction of aphasia and dysphagia, and better overall rehabilitation. Um, and it's. You, you actually have to see it. You actually have to try it. And everyone's a little bit different on what the results are going to be, but, but it's something that I'm committed to, and a lot of the existing practitioners that have stated that they're going to do this and learn this, and, and certainly there's people that have been doing it for decades now. And um, it's, it's fascinating and very it's gratifying. It's a great thing. How can people get in touch with you? They can reach me at, at my number, 917-836-6834. My website is chigardner.com. That's Q-I-G-A-R-D-E-N-E-R.com. I'm here in New York City in the Flatiron District, uh, 19th and Broadway, at uh, Suite 404-900 Broadway. What are your views regarding mainstream treatment for Parkinson's disease? The mainstream treatment is, it's not enough. There's, there's new stuff that they're using that seems to be effective in very severe cases, but I think it needs to be, there needs to be more early intervention. There needs to be more of a perspective of this isn't a death sentence. This, this is something that's manageable that we can slow or reverse the progression in some cases, that we actually can help people have a, a good lifestyle and that, you know, your only options aren't drugs or surgery or, you know, something that seems to not work for everybody. I, uh, I sincerely believe that there needs to be a, an attitude of, of respect and a synergy within Western practices Western hospitals, Western doctors, Western clinics, where we're taking a little bit of all the things that work the best and forming a best practice model. For each show that I air, there are always individuals who have been just diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. What would you like to say to them right now? The first thing I would say is that while this might be a shock, while this might be, you know, an, an incredible challenge and, and, and perhaps even, um, you know, some, something that, that's very difficult to, to process, that you're not alone. 
that there's people out there, both um, fellow patients who are going through the same thing and clinicians that have not only a stake in professionally treating people but have family members or friends that are, you know, they, they have an investment in making a difference in people that they, that they really care about, that their heart, heart and their, you know, and their expertise are connected to. And that that's, you know, that that's the key, that this isn't, you know, this isn't just a diagnosis and, hey, that's the end, I just get to deal with it. That there are resources like the Parkinson's recovery blog, that there are resources like Dr. Zhu Ming in San Jose, there's resources like um, Dr. Zhao in, um, in uh, Santa Fe, there's folks like myself in New York, that there's Qigong practitioners out there, that there's nutritionists, that there's a woman in Colorado that's doing a biofeedback type therapy that seems to be very effective, uh, that there are a lot of resources out there, and to enter into this process with some discernment, but also with some hope that there is um, appropriate treatment and effective treatment for this condition, and that what necessarily might happen to one person or what your doctor might be telling you may not be your story. Peter Doyle, on behalf of all listeners today, I want to thank you so much for being a guest on the radio show today. It was a pleasure. Thank you. The reference that Peter Doyle just gave to a woman in Colorado during neurofeedback treatments for persons with Parkinson's is Dr. Jacqueline Gisburn. She will be one of the presenters at the 2013 Parkinson's Recovery Summit, and Dr. Gisburn will also actually be offering hour-long treatments for individuals who sign up. You'll probably have to sign up early because my guess is those slots will get filled up pretty early on. The list of resources that Peter Doyle mentioned that he would be sending along are posted on the Parkinson's Recovery blog. Go to the main website, parkinsonsrecovery.com. You'll see the link on the main website to the blog. Click on that image. It takes you to the blog. If you're listening live, you'll see that that's the most recent entry of September the 11th, 2012. If you are listening to this in the archives, you'll obviously have to scroll back on the blog to be able to find this particular posting where basically Peter Doyle sent through a list of the resources of individuals who are experienced and knowledgeable about scalp acupuncture. You can also actually pop up the scalp acupuncture posting by going over to the categories on the blog page and you'll see a listing for scalp acupuncture. Just click on that category listing and you'll see the resources pop up there right on the blog. My guest next week is going to be lawyer Glenn Cantor from California. He's going to be telling us all about what you do and what you don't do when your insurance claim or disability claim has been denied. 
it's going to be a quite fascinating discussion because he's going to walk everyone through the do's and the don'ts. So this is not a conversation where the the answer to the question, what do people do, and the answer is, oh, you have to get a lawyer. That's not what this discussion is all about. It's really to provide the nuts and bolts information to individuals for exactly what you'll need to do if you find yourself in that very specific situation. I'm Robert Rogers. This is the Parkinson's Recovery Radio Network. You can listen to any of our prior shows over the last three or four years by simply scrolling back on our radio show page. You'll see the descriptions, and all you have to do is to download the show, or you can listen on your computer live. I have interviewed some remarkable people over the last three or four years, people who are making a difference to millions of individuals who currently experience the neurological symptoms that are associated with the diagnosis of Parkinson's disease. And that's what's happening on the gorgeous shores of the Puget Sound, where all of the women are smart, all the men are handsome, and all the children are truly loved. Know that by virtue of the fact you are listening to this radio show today, that you are indeed on the road to recovery. I look forward to connecting with you next week on the radio show, if not Earlier, You can always contact me by calling our toll-free number, 877-526-4646, or emailing me, Robert, R-O-B-E-R-T, at Parkinson'sRecovery.com. May you have a magnificent week. Good day. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.